Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great Stone Hansen, and joined by our next in our series of guests, the great, the powerful, the wonderful, the terrific Thomas Stapleton. Uh, he's, here to, he's here to break down the nets with us. Um, Thomas is a great guy, a great follow, um, and just I'm really excited to talk about the nets. They were a super fun team this year. Uh, Thomas, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Really, really excited to talk about the Nets. I think they're probably one of the more interesting teams in the draft. If they, I don't know if they're going to fully keep their pick, but like late in that first round, I feel like if they add someone, we could be like, I feel like every year there's always a rookie we talk about in the playoffs, like later in the year, that's like, wow, they're really good. And if the Nets really make a run this year, that they could have drafted one of those guys. It's everyone like, wow, the Nets got a steal late in the draft. So I'm excited to talk about them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Stone, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Um, <laughs> I'm doing really good now. So, yeah. <laughs> Stone's in recovery. He almost died um, a couple minutes ago on a corn nut. While, while on Zoom, he sat down for one second, ate one corn nut, and almost died. But he's good now. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. Um, and, and I'm just excited. Uh, Thomas is bringing the energy already. I love it. Uh, the Nets. So the Nets uh, have the 27th, 44th, 49th, and 59th pick in this upcoming draft. Another team with multiple draft picks means I'm going to talk about my favorite thing in the world, and that's stashes. Um, And uh, they had just a really weird season. Um, Rotating cast of who was injured, who wasn't. uh, Obviously, the incredible big three that just wasn't because they played I think even with the playoffs, a total of like 20 games with all three of them. Uh, If that even, I think it was like 13 in the regular season and then seven in the playoffs. Uh, It was, it was rough. They, they were never healthy, Um, but they took the eventual Eastern conference champion to seven games, despite that rough injury luck. Uh, Kevin Durant looked all the parts of the best player in the NBA right now. And they are in prime position to be the NBA champion next season. So Thomas, I'm going to throw it to you. They, they're not a team with a lot of weaknesses, but if you want to break down what some holes on the roster are and, and what they could be looking to fill in this draft. Uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing kind of is, is defense just as a whole, like um, they had no one, like they couldn't get stops on the perimeter pretty much at all. And then whenever they didn't get stops on the perimeter, guys are just blow to the rim and they had no rim protectors except when Claxton was on the floor because we love Claxton but outside of that they had pretty much no one to even even help on the defensive end of the floor uh except for Kevin Durant and then I think the wing depth can also be a bit problematic I mean you've got guys like Jeff Green but then after that like you're looking at Timothy Luwabu Cabro and Reggie Perry so it's just it's it's not pretty um so I think like the biggest thing for them is that they could find like a defensive wing who isn't going to need the ball on offense at all. Cause you have three of the greatest offensive players ever. So you don't really need like another shot creator is just going to be pretty redundant, not going to serve a great role. So you're just going to need, I would love to see them add like a connecting defensive piece, someone that kind of like a bigger Bruce Brown. Cause I think Bruce Brown can do some of the connector stuff, but sometimes he's just so small that it doesn't always work whenever you're using him as a small big. 
So I feel like if they could really grab, like, I'm, I'm thinking of some guys in my head that I'll share later, but they're just like, there are a bunch of these like all around wings that are good on the defensive end of the floor, but are also willing to just like not touch the ball on offense and are just like really, really good role players that just do their job and sit next, sit in the corner and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there's a name on the tip of my tongue, uh, but I'm, I'm going to let stone say it because I know I just know him. We're on the same wavelength here. Uh, Low usage, big, who brings defense, uh, can play forward. Uh, Stone, do you want to uh, uh, give us that name? I would love to give you that name if I knew who it was, actually. I think. Oh, we're, really? We're, wow. We might be on different. My, I actually had a guy um, who he said bigger Bruce Brown and can fill that sort of role. For me, that was Aaron Henry. Um, I think he's someone that I think could provide that wing defense. He's super strong much like a Bruce Brown uh, can, I mean, yeah, you had six, three Bruce Brown playing center for the, for the nets at times, which is insane, but like it shows his versatility and how strong he really is. Uh, and I think Aaron Henry can do a lot of the same sort of things that Bruce Brown does. Um, and like Thomas is saying, it, it's, it's an unusual situation because most of the teams we've been talking about, they're looking for these shot creatives. They're looking for someone who can create their own offense consistently. The Nets don't need any of that. They they just need someone who plays defense and fills their role on offense, which is basically be a decoy or, or like he said, sit in the corner on threes or roll, something like that, right? Just simple things offensively. They don't need creators. They don't need shot makers. Um, well, they didn't need shot makers, but not, not shot creators or anything like that. So, I think Aaron Henry is someone who fills a lot of that role. He can play make a little bit. Um, you know, obviously injuries are a bit of a concern with this team. So if that were to happen, I think he can fill some of the creation duties, but that's not something he's going to be relied upon uh, at least early on in his career with the Nets. So I think someone that fills a lot of um, what he was saying in terms of a bigger Bruce Brown. Um, the other, the other person, maybe this is who you're talking about would be Herb Jones. I'm not sure. No. Okay. So I'll, no. I'll throw it back to you. I'll throw okay. It back to you. So I'm, I'm a little disappointed in you stone because I'm I was, disappointed th- I was thinking your man, uh, when I hear bigger Bruce Brown, I think of this guy immediately and that's Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, stone, uh, classic Stan. Um, but Thomas, I'm going to throw it back over to you. When you talk about those three guys, who are some other guys you mentioned, you have names, just, just put them out there. We'll break them all down. We're, that's what we're here for. Who are some guys you like here for the Nets at this 27th pick? Yeah, absolutely. I think he actually stole one of my guys. I think Herb Jones, I, I would not take him 27. I just don't think that's good value. I just don't think that's great value, but I think like he'll be there for the 44 and the 49th pick. And I think if you're just looking for like a defensive minded piece, um, I think he could be like a roller. Like, I think if he, if he adds some muscle and he's like, if James Harden's running a pick and roll, he's rolling to the basket, making short roll reads. Like, I think he was mainly used as like a creator sometimes in trying to get and trying to make passes that way. But that's just not going to be asked of him. That shouldn't be asked of him at the NBA level, especially not in Brooklyn. Um, another, this would be like, like this would be like you get this guy and then you immediately throw a party after because you're shocked about how he fell to you. Uh, that's Usman Garuba. I really don't think he's going to fall to 27, um, but I think there is the chance he does fall to the 20s. Um, and that, I mean, that's that's pretty much like the perfect ideal selection for them. I mean, you get 
arguably like I you could I could definitely listen to a case saying he's the best defensive player in this draft like I definitely could see that argument um great short roll passing big you're going to be able to run him as like a roller and a screener um he's unselfish he's willing to spot up in the corner um just does all the dirty work like for a team with so many great offensive creators like a guy like Garuba his value is just exponentially higher because of what he's able to do on defense what he's able to do as a roller as a passer like he would just be the perfect blue guy for that offense and then the next guy I have um, is actually one of your guys, I think, Bryce. Uh, Rocco, Rocco Prickichin. I'm not, I'm, the name is not, I'm, not, I'm still working on the name, but um, that's another guy that I think like just super versatile in terms of like how you can use him in Brooklyn. Like when he was playing with KK Sabona, like they used him pretty much all over the place. Like they were using him as a wing, as a big. Sometimes they would have him running pick and roll just the ways they could use him. And I think like he'd totally be willing to spot in the corner. Um, his three point shooting numbers were the best they've ever been this year. Um, whether you believe in it long-term, we'll see, but the results are still good to see. Um, really good passer. Like I think like short roll passing, he's going to be fine. Not, I don't think quite as good as Garuba right away. Um, and another thing that I like about him is that like, hypothetically he could come in and contribute now like I think he has those tools but I believe he's the youngest player in this draft as well so you could be looking at someone who can come in and contribute now and then could be like a pretty integral part of your core down the line assuming he uh he develops correctly because he's I want to say he like just turned 18 a couple months ago like he's so young but he's already so versatile in terms of his shooting his passing obviously he's a freak athlete um, he could like definitely do like some attacking closeout stuff, like off a hardened drive and then everyone's scrambling and that's where he could kind of take advantage. Um, but he, he's a role, like he's a role guy, I think at the beginning, like they could just use him so many different ways, but he wouldn't be taking touches away from the superstars, which is exactly what you want. Yeah, absolutely. So there's some fun names there. Um, uh, where do I want to start? I'll start by actually throwing out one more. Um, and this is a guy who's risen a little bit. And this is, I think this is actually the youngest player in the draft, not to undercut you. They're both like within like a month of each other, but it's Josh Primo. Um, oh yeah. 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 So when you mentioned what something you mentioned they could use is, is sort of just like connector wing depth too. Um, I think Josh Primo really fills that, uh, you know, someone like Chris Duarte, the usual, the usual suspects there. Um, in terms of older, uh, you know, older, older contributors. Um, but Josh Primo, Roka Prakacha, those are two of my guys. I think they really, one would probably take a little bit, but they're both bodies. They're both athletic enough who could, who could probably defend pretty early. Um, I like Roko a lot. I have him top 10. I think he, uh, is someone who would really bring a different dynamic to, um, to what the nets have he reminds me a lot of like if like at his peak he could kind of be like uh i don't like comparisons but he reminds me a lot of like what like detroit blake griffin was with like his his weird posting ability uh he can move pretty well uh handling transition good passer just sort of like a do it all big um who, who put up numbers in an okay league like that's something that it should not be around at 27 in my opinion but but by all indications could or will be um yeah there's a lot of fun names there stone is there anyone you in particular want to hit on 
Yeah. Um, so just because I am me, I, I'm going to have to go back to Jeremiah Robinson Merrill because, okay, indulge me for a minute. Imagine Nick Claxton, Jeremiah Robinson Earl switching everything. I mean, how fun and perfect is that, right? Like those two guys together, that's possibly the best like switch duo in the league in terms of like four or five combos. And so being able to run those two guys out there and having that in your back pocket is something I think makes a whole lot of sense for them. And um, like Nick Claxton's my son. So Jeremiah Robinson Earl being on the same team would just be amazing for me. Um, the other thing, the other person out there out there who sort of along the lines of Oroko would be someone who you'd take and would develop a little bit, but early on has a bit of a role as well would be um, JT Thor. Someone I think that can fall down to this range. I know he's getting a lot of hype right now. I'm on draft Twitter. I'm not sure exactly where in the NBA draft he'll go. Probably somewhere in between the mid to late first would be my guess. Um, but if he's able to be here at 27 for the Nets, I think he provides um, sort of that, uh, again, defense, three and D type early role for him. Um, just a guy who can knock down shots and then defensively give you a lot on that end. Uh, so I think taking a chance and he's super young too. He's, he's still 18, I believe as well. So being able to develop that guy throughout the years, uh, Brooklyn has shown in the past, you know, their ability to develop. That's not something they necessarily are relying upon right now with their, their stars, but they have that capability of doing so. We saw it with Nick Claxton, um, if they could do it with DT Thor as well, but that four or five combo is really awesome as well. Um, <clears throat> so at 27, that'd be cool. And then, because they're dealing with such high-end contracts, right, between Harden, Kyrie, and KD, that's a lot of money. So these second-round picks could be of value for them. Being able to snag guys on non-guaranteed contracts uh, could be huge for them in terms of filling out their roster. And I think they're actually going to have quite a bit of turnover this year just in terms of they had a lot of guys on one-year deals, I think. So being able to fill that with some non-guaranteed salary, um, it could be big for them. So a couple of guys I like in the second round range for them, just to be able to fill some roles for them, it, you know, uh, they likely won't be in a regular rotation, but if injuries or things like that occur, they could fill in pretty nicely. Uh, someone like Sam Hauser, Joe Wieskamp, uh, two guys that I think, you know, fill that shooting role for them, move well off ball to get themselves open. Um, and you have elite creators like they do. I think that really helps out a lot. Um <clears throat> And then uh, Isaiah Todd, someone we haven't brought up, I think, during this series. Um, but Isaiah Todd is someone I'm not super high on, but I think in Brooklyn makes a lot of sense as like a Jeff Green sort of to fill that role. Uh, because Jeff Green at this point in his career, a lot of what he does is like stand in the corner and shoot threes and then defensively like not give it all back. So I think Isaiah Todd has the capability of being able to do that as well. Um so those are some guys in the second, I think, make a lot of sense. Uh, and then to Thomas's point, like the dream pick, I think, could be Usman Garuba there. I think that's the ultimate dream for Brooklyn. He just fills every sort of defensive role they need. Um, and, you know, down the line, maybe he becomes a rim protector, maybe not. But at least in the short, at the very least, he'll be an elite perimeter defender. Uh, so with that said, I'll, I'll throw it back to Thomas real quick with this question. Is there... Is there any sort of trade scenario on draft night where you can see the the Nets moving up from 27 to maybe snag a guy like Garuba who helps them out a lot uh, or any other trade scenarios just in general? I mean, I think they should. Like if Garuba falls past like 
I don't know, say 21, 22, then they should be packaging all of those picks up to get them. Cause realistically, like, are they going to need all four of these picks? Picks? I'm going to say no. Um, New York and Houston both have two picks there. Um, so I think that those, that could definitely be two good options if you're looking to trade up. Um, maybe with the Clippers, like, I honestly think, like, tr- if you don't have a guy that you like at 27, trade back and get assets. Like, there's, there's, there's pretty much no p- point at that point because – just get like their depth. I think their depth is solid. I, I don't, a lot of people are really low on it. I think it's okay. I think they have a couple reliable guys on their bench. Uh, but if there's no one they like at 27, just go back, try to see if you can pick up a, a cheap role player along the way. Um, so the, I would say the only guy that I'm trading up for, unless like someone ridiculous falls, but we're not using that in this case. Um, I would trade up for Garuba, but like outside of that, I would either stay at that, at your spot or trade back, try to get a, role, a cheap role player, maybe a shooter, maybe just a defensive-minded player that can fill gaps, um, that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know what – I think I would just stay just because, like you said, like their top, the top of their rotation is so expensive that they're just going to need to fill gaps with players that are cheap. Um, so I would probably just stay at 27 and hope you can find a player that you really like that falls there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sorry, real quick, there, there's two names, two more names. There's a lot of names for the Brooklyn Nets. So uh, I'll, I'll squeeze them in here really quick. I know we can't spend three hours on this, although we could. Um, so I think uh, one other guy that makes a lot of sense for them would be Isaiah Livers in the second round. Um, another three and D type guy. Uh, defensively, I think he's really sound. Um, I think he's really underrated as a defender personally. So being able to throw him out there would make a lot of sense for them. Um, and then the other guy who <clears throat> I'm not sure if he would fall this far. Uh, I think, again, it would be, sort of be like an um, unlikely scenario, but an Isaiah Jackson at 27, I think, can help them a lot. Um, they have Nick Claxton. I'm not sure how great of a rim protector Nick Claxton is, although he is a great defender. Um, so being able to throw Isaiah Jackson out, although it limits your space and you couldn't play both of those guys at once, I think um, Isaiah Jackson helps you out as, as just being that rim protector that they uh, sort of lacked that we saw throughout the season at, at times. Um, so those would be just two other names to throw out there. But there's there's so many names, honestly, for the Nets here that you can throw out that it could just be like low usage guys that fill a role for them immediately. So um, I'll throw it back to Bryce, though. Yeah, so... Something interesting um, that Thomas brought up is is whether or not they use all these picks, um, and bringing in four rookies for any team is is hard. And I'm not saying it's likely they use all these picks, but I do think there's somewhat of a chance because the Bucks showed last year how important it is to get. Uh, so so rookies drafted the second round um, can be signed for below. It's like it does something with the cap where it doesn't count at all towards the luxury tax. Um, I can't remember exactly learned it from Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue. Those are the guys I go to for this. Uh, but anyways, players under contract for the Nets next year, there's only seven total and then probably going to be eight. Um, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. We all know those guys. They're under contract for insane numbers, 44, 42, 35 million. Joe Harris is making 17. DeAndre Jordan at almost 10. And then Landry Shamit and Nicholas Claxton both have guaranteed deals. And then the eighth guy is Alizé Johnson uh, is on a non-guarantee, but 
I would imagine he gets he gets guaranteed just he's a body. Um, so there is a chance they use all these picks. And that brings up something, you know, we usually ask our guests about nightmare scenarios, and we will circle back to that. But Thomas, what is like if you're if you're the Nets GM and you're trying to build up this roster and you can use all four picks, what is your dream draft site night scenario? Like what are the four guys you draft realistically at 27, 44, 49, and 59? that that you think like you'll walk away being like this is this is the perfect draft i just helped us win a championship in the next year yeah i mean we already talked about it earlier like i think garuba if you can somehow get him to fall to 27 like that's that's amazing like that's everything you want um in a defensive big um looking at the 44 49 and 59 pick one guy i don't think we've talked about um joel ayayi um super versatile uh, wing from Gonzaga, uh, just does a lot of things, probably the best off-ball player in this draft with his cutting and with his movement, uh, good playmaker, defense, um, super efficient score, like doesn't doesn't take stupid shots, all that kind of stuff. I think he brings a lot of value to uh, the Brooklyn Nets roster. Um, so I think they, I, I imagine they'd probably be able to get those at like the 44th or the 49th uh, pick. Um Another guy, if they want to bring in like, if they want to bring in like a guard just to back up uh, Harden and Kyrie, give them a bit of a change of pace, uh, is David Johnson. Just like again, another another guard. This just does a lot of things like outside of his turnovers. Um, he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Like he shoots a good three ball. He's a really smart playmaker, good defender. Um, and then later in the draft, you talked about stashes. And one stash that I like, I just like him in general. Um, and I, I think that he could be good value for the Nets. Uh, Rokis Jokubaitis, um, really crafty guard um, who I can't remember what team he played for last year. Uh, but just like he remind, I, I said this to, like five minutes after I was watching him, I was like, this guy could be Goran Dragic because that's that was immediately the guy that stuck out to me the second I started watching him. Uh, I buy the three-point shot a ton. He's a really smart playmaker, just super crafty with the ball in his hands. Um, I think, like, if you get those four guys, I think you're walking away with probably three guys who can contribute right away and then a fourth stash player that, if he continues to get better overseas, he could be um, another solid change of pace guard off the bench who can provide shooting and scoring. That's that's interesting. That's an excellent haul. Um, I'll let Stone get into Rokas because I know that's his guy. Um, but I'm going to talk a little bit about David Johnson's potential fit. Um, so I just finished up. I just put out my final big board. I'm working on writing about it right now. Pretty in-depth stuff. Um, David Johnson was one of the late risers on my board. Every time I went back and watched his tape, I found more and more I liked. He's 6'5", but like a legitimate point guard, uh, can, can run a pick and roll gets downhill impressively well, but he's built. And I can also see him being a wing. And I think that's something that's a little under discussed with him. Uh, probably gets a little under discussed with someone I'm lower on. And that's Iota Sudmu, um, who's also like big enough, built enough that he can kind of play as a, as a, you know, in some lineups is more of a three, but probably more of a two. Um, and can really survive out there defensively. Um, and that playmaking as a two with that body, I think he's going to be a good defender. It, it, you know, everyone talks about, I don't like the term swing skill, but if he does shoot and, and there's some signs there, uh, he could be a really interesting player. I think he gets a little under discussed in this class. Um, I was very, very close to giving him a first round grade. So I love David Johnson. I think that would be 
that would be an ideal pick at 44 or 49, assuming someone like a Herb Jones or an Aaron Henry isn't there. Those are guys who I think would also be great. Um, but I'll let Stone hit on uh, hit on your guy, uh, Rokas, there. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast, you know my love for Rokas. I've been watching him for years, and <clears throat> I'm so happy that this is finally the year that he's coming uh, or at least entering the draft. Um, so I think with the Nets, like we said, they don't really need a playmaker or anything, but, you know, down the line, if you're stashing him at that point in time, they may. And by the time he comes over, you know, he could fill a, a role for them. So, um, yeah, his craftiness, like Thomas said, is awesome. Uh, one of the best passers off of movement, I think, in this entire class, someone who just like every single time consistently hits that he knows exactly. He knows his personnel. He knows where his teammates like to catch the ball when they're in rhythm. Um, and, you know, he could be going from the complete uh, right side of the court and swing it all the way to the left side to a guy who's already getting in rhythm to catch the ball because he knows Rokas is going to hit him right in the shooter's pocket. So there's just so many things to like about Rokas offensively. Uh, defensively, there's obviously a lot of questions. Um, although he did show a bit of um, the biggest thing was he like screens pretty much take out Rokas on defense. Like you put a screen on Rokas and he's basically out of the play. Uh, but he did show some signs for optimism on that uh, during his um, play for the Olympic qualifiers with Team Lithuania. He was navigating screens really well, which is something I have a really big concern with him, but the ability he was showing to kind of navigate through them and, and not being taken out of the play completely uh, is something that gave me a lot of optimism and hope for him in that regard. Uh, and then... <laughs> I don't know if you guys listened to the No Dunks podcast uh, previously, the, the starters or whatever, but they do this thing on their podcast where it's like, what about this guy? And they keep just throwing out names. So I have a couple more names for you guys because they're so <laughs> um, At 27, Kessler Edwards. I think he's somebody that fits really well in terms of a 3 and D type guy. Um, we've talked about Kessler, you know, um, ad nauseum on this podcast, but I think uh, he's someone who, who really fits that 3 and D profile for them much like a Trey Murphy that Bryce really likes. Um, and then a couple guys with the 59th pick. I guess we can sort of merge the 59th pick and some undrafted free agents that you guys may like. Uh, but EJ Onu is someone I think that, you know, you can take him, develop him, put him in the G League. Uh, someone that I think at 59 is well worth the risk in terms of the upside that he has uh, and being able to put him, you know, in sort of the G League system and see – what he can become and see with his archetype, how valuable it is, if, if that's able to translate. Um, and then another guy we keep bringing up during this series, uh, I didn't realize I was as high on him as I am until we started doing this series was Eve Bonds. Um, I think Eve can fit defensively in a lot of situations. Someone who is not going to need the ball really at all. I, I think offensively, like you can, uh, you can go a whole game without you touching the ball offensively and still get value out of him. Uh, and I think the other person who we haven't, I don't think brought, we haven't brought up on the podcast um, is Moses Wright. Someone I think in Brooklyn, I think uh, is able to be a little bit of a rim protector, uh, space the floor a little bit and fill in some gaps here and there for them. So that's another guy I would look at with the 59th pick or as an undrafted free agent. Yeah. Uh... Thomas, I'll let you hit on some maybe UDFA guys you like. And then, uh, I like I mentioned, I did my big board and, and like, I got all the way to, like, 
271. I posted the top 193. So uh, I'm going to look through and find some names that I kind of want to hit on who I haven't talked about on the pod. So you could give some guys and then I'll pull out some, some probably BS that you guys are going to shake your head at, but uh, go, go ahead, Thomas. You said, hold up 271 guys. Yeah. So I went through rookie oh scale and I went and ranked everyone who's declared. Uh, I watched it for some guys like, like I have like most of those guys falling from 187 to a to 271. It's almost a hundred full prospects is in the tier 12, not NBA prospects. And it's pretty quick to watch tape on those guys because it doesn't take a long time to like watch someone and just be like, Oh, they just can't move at an NBA level. Like you can just see really quickly, like, uh, like some guys, um, uh, let me find a good name. Um, uh, <sighs> Zacchaeus Darko Kelly uh, played at a small college um, and and he and he uh, like he had okay stats but you could just tell like that shot isn't isn't gonna work at the NBA and like you only have to watch like two minutes of tape on him you know be like okay that's fine or or Bojan Tomasevic is a is a um, he's uh, Serbian I think and um, like you like just watch it for a little bit and you're like oh that guy just can't move there's just no way so like it it sounds more impressive than it probably actually is but uh yeah there's there's a couple guys who i found who i it made me glad i did it um and i'll touch on them uh but thomas you go ahead first i am i'm still struggling like to fill out a top 60 here so that's (laughs) major props against 271 um one guy that i actually think should be drafted but i don't think will be drafted um Derek Alston Jr. I think is interesting um, as like just like a skinny shooter like his release point like I don't think any, a lot of guys are going to be able to like contest his shot at the NBA level um, he hit like like I was what he hit a lot of pull-ups like I don't know I don't know if that that skill is necessarily going to translate to the NBA I don't know how many teams are going to allow him to take pull-ups um, but he he definitely has that ability uh, he's amazing off the catch um, I think like, I just think he fits really, really well in Brooklyn. It's just someone who's going to be able to make it rain from long distance and his shot's going to be so hard to contest. Um, another one kind of on the fence. I don't know if they're going to get drafted. Um, but I would definitely take a chance on them in a the late second round is, uh, Scotty Lewis, uh, from Florida who didn't have the best, um, season, uh, just to, you know, to kind of put it nicely, Um, but I still think like with his athleticism, like I really buy his defense long-term, like he's, he's intense. Like he's definitely got like the tools, the frame, the length. Like I definitely think like there's some, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Bruce Brown, a little bit just with his athleticism and his defense and his toughness. Like, I think there's a lot of that there, but obviously he's got a ways to go as like a decision maker and that kind of stuff. Um, but I would, those are two guys I would. I don't know if a lot of people have them in their top 60, but I I definitely take a chance on those guys, especially if I'm Brooklyn, because I think they both can play a role early on, um, even if it's in limited minutes. And I could I could see those guys proving to be NBA caliber players over time. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I really like um, I really like Derek Olson Jr. I think he uh, is really underrated. Uh, I, I live somewhat close to Boise State uh, and their head coach graduated from where I went to high school and I'm there they have an incoming freshman named Kobe Young who I played AAU with 
So, uh, you know, I, I like I'm a little biased towards Boise State, but Derek Alston Jr., uh, legit shot maker at six nine, really skinny. And that's sort of the question mark is like, is he a good enough mover? He's not great laterally, but just that shot, he played guard. Um, so so there's some interesting stuff there. Um, a guy I like, we talked about him with Zach Padmore is Dejan Giroux, uh, maybe the best screen navigator in this class. He's kind of risen up my board. I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of his. And it's sort of like, you know, if you're trying to switch and you're trying to um, to run different types of, of defensive schemes, I think he can be really interesting because when you do want someone to, to really kind of get around a screen and make it tough on an opposing guard, I think he can do that. Um, a guy I like, uh, Ethan Thompson from uh, Oregon State. Uh, just like he'd be an interesting UDFA bet. Uh, I have him draftable. He almost certainly won't get drafted, but just a kind of a big bodied wing guard um, who has some passing flashes uh, just, just kind of about, can you get him slimmed down is the shot there. Um, and then also Chandler Vaudrin, um, one of the better passing wings of this class goes really underrated. Um, I just think he, he might be something I don't know hundred percent if he is, uh, but I, I like a little bit of what I've seen there. And then the last thing I'll bring up another wing because uh, I have a type it's all wings. Um, and that's DJ Stewart um, from Mississippi state. Uh, uh, just a really accomplished shooter. Uh, I think he goes really underrated as a six, six shooter, really athletic. Um, just, you know, I like to take chances on guys like that. Uh, you know, there's a ton of other names I could bring up. That, that have, I think, gone a little bit underrated. Um, E.B. Watson, Danny Pippen, Aaron Wiggins, guys like that. But, you know, I, I think what I would say is they just, they should be taking bets on wings um, and just trying to fill out the roster with with guys like that because their ethos is going to be all about the switching. And that's, to switch, it's best to have wings or to have someone like, you know, like a Nick Claxton or an Eve Pons. But those guys don't grow on trees. Um and any, it feels like we've been brought up e pawns a ton. I think we're starting to realize how just like useful it would be to have a backup center who can like really move like that. Um, e pawns is is very good, and uh, I think he should get drafted as well. Um, is there anyone else you want to hit on, Thomas? Uh, I don't think I think like worst case scenario, like I would say like the worst pick possible for Brooklyn. Um, so like if there's one guy, I'm telling Sean Marks not to draft. Uh, Greg Brown, uh, because yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell a lot of teams to draft Greg Brown anyways, but for Brooklyn, especially like he, he's going to come in. He, he can't, he can play a role right away. I don't think he wants to. I think he kind of just wants to do Greg Brown's thing and just kind of have the ball and take contested pull-up threes with his launch pad jumper or whatever it is, slingshot. Um, and like, I just don't, know what the point of drafting him would be like he can't I don't think he can come in and play a role right away and I don't believe in his long-term upside so that was just kind of something I wanted to do. just don't draft Greg Brown if you're Brooklyn like some teams I, w- I wouldn't mind it because I do think there's a lot of defensive upside that can be untapped but for Brooklyn no don't draft him yeah I mean maybe at the 59th pick I would consider it but uh, I, I don't think that's that's any sort of likelihood um yeah, I think this this might have been the podcast where we've touched on the most names out of any podcast. I feel like we bleed through like 30 or 40 names in an amount of like 45 minutes there. Um, yeah, it's been great having you on, though. We appreciate having you on. 
Um, is there anything uh, that you're working on or anything you want to let people know about? Uh, tell them where they can find you on Twitter or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can follow me at Twitter at T Stapleton NBA. I believe that is my username. Um, I work for uh, the Right Way Sports Network. If you want to follow them at TWSN on Twitter, I do a bunch of draft stuff on there with like big boards and player articles and team big boards, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I had a really awesome time. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Uh, Thomas is a great follow, a great guy. We've interacted a ton on there. Um, one of the first fellow disciples of the Kai Jones uh, temple. Uh, we we love Kai Jones here. We didn't get to talk about him. I doubt he's there at 27, though he might be. If it's anything like that, uh, Mavs draft, uh, uh, mock draft I was on, that was a uh, that was that's unspeakable. We won't talk about that. Uh, but this has been awesome. I want to thank Thomas again. Follow him. Uh, Stone, do you want all the people know where they can find you and what they got to do? Yeah, you could just follow me at report underscore court on Twitter. All my draft stuff is there. Uh, I have a lot more comprehensive thoughts and anything I work on will be posted there. Um, and then if you guys want to follow the podcast, uh, Upside Swings on Twitter as well. Uh, and then rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to helps us out a lot, grow our audience, reach a lot more people, um, and just justifies being able to do this for you guys uh, day in and day out. So uh, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 on Twitter. Uh, follow the pod, follow Thomas. We want to thank him again. We want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, this has been a really successful series. Um, we've kind of started advertising and monetizing a little bit. Uh, it's not a lot, but it's it's uh, it's uh, it's really special to us. We're really proud of what we've done, and uh, we're thankful for everyone for listening. Um, this has been the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.